Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Best Life Cafe. Today, I have we have a special guest, Amanda Weber, and she is the a certified meditation instructor, a happiness coach. She is the creator of the Full Life Coaching Program, and she also hosts a popular weekly podcast called The Full Life. I'm here today with my co-hostess, Carrie Butler, a Ho'oponopono forgiveness coach. She's also the owner of the L.A.-based consulting firm, The Emergency Cafe. And we are so excited to invite our friend and mentor, Amanda Weber, to our show. Good morning, Amanda and Carrie. Good morning. Good morning. Yay. So today uh, we're going to dive right into the material because there's so much to talk about with Amanda. Uh, I wanted to just start out with saying that uh, Amanda and Carrie and I uh, are in an online coaching group together, but I met Amanda online because one of our mentors, Nancy Levin, was shouting out about her podcast, The Full Life. And of course, those of you that know me know that my whole emphasis is living our lives as full as we can to the fullest while we're here. And I was very intrigued by the fact that she had this podcast. And I was like, pick me, pick me, I'm going to be your friend. And then later on, we were lucky enough to get into a group and I've gotten to know her on a more intimate level. And Amanda, I'm so excited to see you. And the first thing I want you to talk about, because it's so dear and near to my heart, is your, your journey out of corporate America. And maybe you could just give our guests just a little bit of info on your background and how you got to be a happiness coach. Sure. Wow. This is a story that I love to tell because I actually like to hear myself tell it because some days, you know, when you're having good days or days where you're struggling a little bit, it's so nice to just hear yourself talk about how you got from A to B because sometimes our heads stay stuck in A, even though we've, we've moved along. And so I guess for me, I had a great career. I'm just, you know, deciding where I want to start on the story. But I, I had a really great career in public relations and marketing, which is something that I'm really passionate about. I love the idea of um, communicating messages and, you know, creatively doing things is, is something that's, you know, always been a joy for me. Um, but I was in, although as much as I loved my job, it was really, really stressful and it was over time that and a few other things I had going on in my life with relationships and, um, you know, there was a time actually where my dad got terminally ill and my marriage of 17 years ended. And at the very same time, my career was taking off in a way that on paper, anybody would say, man, I want to take that. That looks so perfect lots of international travel and all this stuff, and, um, but, uh, but highly stressful. And I noticed that I was kind of showing up in the world increasingly in a way that really wasn't honoring what I, who, I, who I knew I could be or who I wanted to be. And one of the ways that was manifesting, there were, there were quite a few because I, I identify as a recovering people pleaser. And so as in, my, in the thickest of my people pleasing days, there was a bunch of things that were happening that, that weren't honoring to me and, and the people around me. And one of them was I noticed that the people that I loved the most were getting the worst side of me. It was like mm-hmm. I could suck it up all day long. And then when I'd get home, I would um, scorch the village, so to speak. You know, I would be chippy with my kids 
and I would mm-hmm. be, you know, given the stink eye to my dog and like all these people who love and care for me and I just wasn't showing up for them. And when I began to notice how toxic that was, I realized that I needed to find some way to take care of myself. And so I, I began looking at things like meditation and mindfulness and practices to try and get better at being who I knew I could be. And so I did that for a couple of years while working in, in a, as you put it, corporate America, although I'm in Canada, but, you know, the idea of working yeah. in a corporate space. <laughs> Sorry. Along, no, no, along with no, that. And then I, I got to a point where the things that I was doing were changing my life so much that I just, I, I just couldn't stay in corporate anymore. I really wanted to, to go and be able to teach them. And so... Really, that happened. I mean, it all sounds like very, you know, one day you decided and you walked away. It it was a slow process, probably over the past six years, where um, I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, who's six now, and I was on my mat Mm -hmm. leave. And when I went to go back, they had a new role for me, and it had a lot of international travel, and I didn't think I could manage it. And my husband said, well, everybody calls you to learn how to de-stress. Like, why don't you just start a consulting company helping people with that? And I Mm, thought, wow, like, can you do that? And I, so I sort of dabbled in that, you know, worked a bit, did a bit of that. And, you know, they, when the averages got to it, it was 60 or 70% of my time doing that and only 30% in the other world Then I, then I made the, the jump over to, to do this full time. But it was, it was, uh, I think it's important for people to know that you can do it like a hybrid model where you do a bit of what you love and a bit of what pays the bills. And then, Kathy, I'm sure that's you can exactly talk about, right? That's exactly what I'm doing right now. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly where I'm at. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I, that's, that's kind of how I got to where I am. Yeah. I love that story, Amanda. You know, it's so it's, – I, I find it because, you know, we talk to a lot of people – on a daily basis and and what's so crazy to me or just amazing to me I shouldn't say crazy but amazing it's like there we can we can create careers for ourselves in anything you know like de-stressing meditation happiness you know like I you would before when we were you know, doing the pre-show, we were talking about, you know, being a happiness coach and, and I just got such a giggle out of, you're like, wait, you can do that. You know, it's like, but yeah, we can do that. We can create anything for ourselves, but let me just, so, so you, I feel like you just kind of settled and I don't mean this in a bad way, but like it's settled in a comforting way that meditation was really the, the most um, effective tool for you. And so mm-hmm. can you tell, can you speak to that a little bit as far as, you know, like the meditation that you went through, the practices and, and all that stuff? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try not to just take the whole hour now because this is something I'm super <laughs> passionate about. And and the reason is that for me, you know, there's all these great tools and practices and we can all find them on the internet. There's no shortage of free things to download and all that kind of stuff. But for me, um, learning to still my mind just enough to get in a a bit of a life is happening for me versus life is happening to me. So that really just sort of that perception shift that um, 
that life doesn't have to be the way it is that I can get present and make a choice to make some changes. The only way I could get into that space and begin to kind of clean up the damage that I had done in my life with being reactive with people was this meditation practice. And so what happened was I did this kind of really out of character thing for me. It was when um, I was doing the single mom gig. So, you know, financially it didn't make sense. My dad was terminally ill. So time wise, it didn't make sense to step away. My job was really busy. So getting time off was difficult and kind of impacted the rest of my life. But I thought I have to go, I have to do something because I'm, I'm really suffering where I am. And so I went away to a meditation retreat and people might say, Oh, you know, that's so great. You you went away to learn to de-stress. I have to tell you, I judged the meditators and the yogis and anybody who engaged in anything that remark that, that resembled self-care. I thought they were being extremely self-indulgent and out of touch with reality. Mm-hmm. And wow. I can only say that now. I can only say yeah. that now because I'm on the other side of it, but my people pleasing was so um so in uh just my way of being that I thought, you know, you take care of everyone else and don't take care of yourself because yeah, like maybe it's a worthiness thing, but anyway, so I went to this meditation retreat and I came back and I felt better. You know, I felt like I was learning to um, to breathe and, and and maybe making a little bit of progress. But, you know, you, you do something like you have a vacation or you get away and you come back and, and life is still happening, right? The bills are coming. Um, you know, your commitments are there, your job, all that stuff. And um, I tell this story of how one day I came home from work and my, my two boys who were 9 and 12, I guess, about at the time, I came in the front door and they said, mom, we need to talk to you. And I don't know if you guys have boys. Well, Carrie, I know you do for sure. Um, I have to. When you have kids. (laughs) Yeah. So when you have boys that age, you know, like when they say they need to talk to you, they've either broken something or we're going to get a call from the school and it's not going to be about how there's an award that they're lined up to receive. (laughs) When they say they They need to talk, it's usually not. It's not good. Anyway, they said to they said to me, you know, we we've been talking and we think you're doing some kind of science experiment on us. And I said, "What are you talking about?" And they said, "Well, you're not yelling at us anymore." And I said, "Oh." And you know, it it, it it's an emotional thing for me to share that only because when you yes. have like it's one thing when you crap on yourself on a regular basis, you know, in that place in your mind where you're always beating yourself up. But sometimes we don't realize the impact that it is having on other people, um, or or we do, but we don't realize that they don't hate us for it. They're sad for us for it. Mm-hmm. And so right then I'm like, I've got to keep doing this meditation stuff because apparently it's impacting my life way more than I realize. And um, And it wasn't a big thing. It was 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night, close my eyes. You know, one of my favorite mantras is slow down. So just close my eyes. With each in-breath, I just silently in my mind would say slow. And with each exhale, I would just silently say down. And I would just sit and do that for 10 minutes, and my mind would wander. And as soon as I would notice, I'd bring my mind back. And some days my mind wandered a lot, and some days it didn't wander so much. But I just showed up and did it each day, just like going to the gym, 
just like eating lunch. And it, it really started to make it have an impact on me, but uh, apparently on, on other people too. And so it, it really has just grown from there. That's how the whole kind of meditation is my front door into engaging in some level of self-awareness really, uh, mm-hmm. really kind of happened. I so am wow. grateful for you sharing that. I mean, there's so many things I can go with the last two conversations, and I just wanted to step back into the, the part where you, your kids were saying to you that you weren't showing up for them, and I, I was triggered of a memory of uh, many years ago, my 28-year-old son, who was eight years old or nine years old at the time, and I was going through a divorce, and I was also doing the single mom thing, and I was crying apparently every day in front of my children. And I remember when he said to me, oh, he said, Mom, is there ever going to be a day that you're not crying? And Aww. it was that moment that jarred me into the reality that I, like you, Amanda, had to do something to change that. And so it's so interesting that, you know, out of the mouths of babes, but enough to jar you in. And I packed my kids up and I went to my mom's for 10 days and said, I need a break. And we sat in my mom's pool for 10 days and that was a life changing moment. So when you were talking about that, it's like when you're impacting the people in your life with your outside life, it's not your life at home that's upsetting, but the life outside, the stress, the Mm -hmm. the management of your life. And you come home and you kind of, you kind of, you know, with no other words, shit on the on the place where you're living, like it, then you have the double. You're not only unhappy in your corporate world, but you're unhappy at home. So there's no safe sanctuary. And so what I'm hearing from you is that when all that sort of hit the fan, the meditation is what brought you back into you. And I know that feeling. And so when you get back into you, then the next step was, start living your full life and so I'm wondering if you can talk to us I mean there's you know you're a blogger which I love your blogs they're great and you're a podcaster oh, and you thank you. and you know to be a blogger it's very difficult people don't realize how much work goes into blogging and then hoping that people will like it and share it and have it grow and so when you were going through this sort of transformation how did writing sort of you know how did the writing part of that come up for you and, and the blogging part to to start sharing your message. And then that I know that turned into speaking and, and other things. So I just wondered if you could talk about the involvement of after the meditation sort of got you grounded and you got into that practice that you, you evolved into the next step, which would may have been blogging. Well, I had something kind of interesting happen. I mean, in retrospect, it, I believe the universe has our back, even though sometimes we might turn <laughs> our back on it. But <laughs> Yeah, it, it it truly truly does. But when I um when I was on maternity leave with my daughter who's six now, so this would have been you know well she's almost seven, so six six years ago, six and a half years ago, and I was really thinking about you know what's work going to look like when I go back? How am I going to juggle? How am I going to keep balance? Mm-hmm. Um, I had done a couple of meditation courses with the Chopra Center for Wellbeing and that's in Carlsbad so probably pretty close to you guys pretty far from me but (laughs) that was that initial place where I had gone to um to to do that self-indulgent act of of trying to figure out how I could be a nicer person and um so that but that was quite a few years before that and so I thought oh I wonder if maybe I could go back and do some courses at the Chopra Center and so I called and said you know what have you guys got on the go what what I, what might I be able to do 
And they said, well, have you thought about doing our teacher training so that you can actually teach this stuff? And I said, well, Mm. you know, there's prerequisite courses and it's probably a lot of money and a lot of time. And I just had a baby. And they're like, well, let's take a look here. They said, well, there's two prerequisite courses. And I'd only done two courses with the Chopra Center. And I unknowingly had done the two prerequisites for the teacher training. And I was like, wow, I know. Of course. This has to work. This has to be a sign, right? And so I'm like, yeah. okay, so I'm going to do the teacher training. They're like, well, do you want to think about it? I'm like, no, like s- send me the application. I'm totally going to do it. And so that was what that what then happened was as I was the teacher training takes about at that time it took about a year. Like you did, there's a whole bunch of readings and projects and stuff, and then you did I think it was two one week kind of in session where you'd actually go there. And so over the course of my mat leave, basically I did that work and so I was doing a lot of writing for that and I realized Mm -hmm. how much I enjoyed it and how therapeutic it was for me to just write Mm -hmm. down a question and contemplate it on paper versus in my mind and um, and that's kind of how it started and so I remember I read something to somebody and they're like oh you should totally share that and I'm like okay well maybe I need a website and so it, it all kind of was, it all kind of grew from there. But I think it's important for people to know that, you know, you kind of, we all have, we all think, oh, meditation is meditation, but every single one of us will share our uniqueness in your own unique way. And so even yeah. if you have 10 friends and they all have a meditation blog, that shouldn't stop you from doing it because yours will be uniquely your perspective. And um, and I, a lot of times I'm like, oh, everyone's doing this. I'm just going to be another one yep. of them. And I really consciously have tried to tell myself not to connect with that because I think it it's um, it's not helpful. And so, um, yeah. Well, I I, I can yeah. I this is Carrie, sweetie. Um, and it's hard when we've <laughs> got two of us. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. The one thing that I did want to say before I I comment is like. Because I keep hearing you say, mat leave, mat leave. And for our listeners, I'm just going to assume, and if that's not accurate, it's just your maternity leave, like you're, right? You're talking yes. about mat leave. Sorry, maternity leave. it is. Okay. No, so that's okay. Here, well, I, just like, I was like, what? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. In, in Canada, when I had my older boys who are 22 and 24 now, you got about, I think it was six or ten weeks off, and then – you know, you kind of tried to figure out how to get back to work. And since then in Canada, they've extended it. Now it's not with pay, but your job gets held for you for up to a year. Wow. And so oh if you gosh. can work it out financially, at least, you know, you'll have a job to go back to. And the good side of that is it's amazing for kids, right? That you can spend that time with them. The downside is when you leave a company for a year, a lot changes and it's really difficult to go to go back sometimes. Um, but, yeah, so that's when I say mat leave, I mean maternity leave. I mean that, that period of time where you're not going into the office every day and you're showing up to be kind of a stay-at-home mom, I guess, if you will, which, by the way, right. I think is the hardest job in the world. I, <laughs> Sister, yes, I it really is. Being, I Honestly, I totally agree with you. I think that mom, being a mom is harder than being a wife, is being in the work field, right? It's like, because, man, talk about not coming with a manual. That is it. And I think we also, 
we, we know, I, sometimes I think we know too much now, you know? And so we try to like, uh, well, at least for me, it's like, you know, be all esoteric. And sometimes I just want to turn around to my kids and, you know, be completely unspiritual. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, what the heck? But anyway, I digress. Um, so, Darlin, for all of our listeners out there that are <clears throat> trying to create a meditation practice for themselves, mm-hmm. what, what can you, well, there's two things that I, so before we go into that, I just, I wanted to share something with you. I remember in some of the teachings and the trainings that I have done, you know, one of the questions is that we, we are often asked to ask ourselves or that we do ask ourselves is, you know, well, who am I to be teaching this? Or like, you know, somebody else has done mm-hmm. it or, you know what I mean? But I remember one of my teachers saying, who are you not to do this? Because if you uh, have so a beautiful. message, right? If you that have is- a message to give to the universe and to give to people, then it's your, it's your part of your sole purpose, I feel, to, to share that message and be able to assist other people in that teaching. And, um, and the other thing is, it's like, you know, once the teacher's ready, the students will come, you know, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of, of professors that teach the same thing at universities all over the country. There's not just one, you know, so I just feel I so agree with you on the fact that we are all so unique, in what we have to bring to the table. So I just wanted to say that to you. Um, but let's get back to the meditation because I know like I struggle, like I sit down, I'm like, okay. And then my mind will wander and I'll go like, come back, you know, like, no, 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 like, let's come back. So is there like an easy, you know, like, I want to say like mind free because I'm always in my mind about meditation going, oh, I'm not doing it right, you know, and I'm, I mean, I find it so funny because every, we're all talking about being people pleasers and knowing the group that we are in and the leader of the group and how we all, I feel like we all kind of were little magnets to each other about being people pleasers. You know, it's like (laughs) we all kind of came together. Um, But anyway, so just saying like, you know, I, I want to do it right. So for all those people out there and me, how do we do it right? (laughs) Help. I it's a, it's a great question, and I would say I've literally taught thousands, multiples of thousands of people to meditate, and the single biggest thing that people say the reason they don't stick with it is because they think they're doing it wrong. And mm. so we have, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. That's what the, 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 the brain research shows. So that's basically wow. one thought about every 1.2 seconds. So the mm-hmm. thoughts are coming, right? And just because you decide that you're going to meditate, that doesn't mean those thoughts are going to stop. And so I think there's this kind of, I think we've kind of Hollywoodized, if that's a word, Hollywoodized meditation, meaning that through, um, you know, great movies like Eat, Pray, Love and that kind of stuff, that we think we have to sit in a certain position and withstand a certain amount of, uncomfort or discomfort in order to gain the benefits which we presume to be that our mind will be completely empty for a period of five or 10 or 20 minutes each day. And that that's how 
the meditation is supposed to go. But what I've yes. really learned is that thoughts are part of the process and wanting the thoughts not to be there is just setting ourselves up for disappointment. So if you make your um, marker for success, the fact that you just show up to do it, you will you will be far farther ahead than if you set it for, you know, I, I've meditated every day now for about 10 years. And some days I shoot for 20 minutes. Some days it's five because I have kids and a life and things happen and get in my way. But... After 10 years of meditating every day, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I still have thoughts. And the difference is that before I would, I would close my eyes and I would start to repeat a mantra in my mind, like slow down or whatever you want it to be. And my mind would wander and I would, so I'd be sitting, let's, let's role play this. I close my eyes. I'm taking some deep breaths. I'm just repeating slow down, slow down oh I gotta remember to go to the grocery store on the way home and when I go to the grocery store I have to buy some kale everybody's eating kale these days kale must be really good for you my kids don't eat enough greens I'm such a bad mom oh my gosh I'm supposed to be meditating okay come back and then I bring myself back to the thought and I repeat slow down again and so what's happened over the process of 10 years is now when my mind if it wanders during meditation is that I notice quite quickly and come back. But I still have thoughts. So not having thoughts isn't the goal. The goal is to notice when you have a thought and to gently come back. And if you imagine like going to the gym is lifting weights, every time your mind wanders and you notice and you bring yourself back, you've kind of done like a push-up. And the more push-ups you do, the better you get at them, the stronger you get. And so if you have a lot of thoughts and your mind wanders a lot, you should be happy. you got a really good workout rather than criticizing uh, okay. yourself for having thoughts. <laughs> How does that sound? Right. <laughs> that sounds so good. I love that. And can I just, just really quickly um, to just follow up on that. So you were talking about mantras and stuff. Like, can it be anything or – because I, we, we were talking and I remember, like, I had this memory – of going to the Chopra Center like 20 years ago or something and, and really and working with David G and him giving me my mantra or a mantra, which God, you know, I mean, I couldn't even tell you what it is, but like, is it, are there some like special mantras or yeah, slow is, down you know, enough, can, you know, like, is that great? Like, I, so I would say, and this is, um, David G is near and dear to my heart. He's such an amazing teacher and sharer of these tools and ancient wisdoms and bringing them into like the modern day. And he will say that the best practice, the best meditation practice is the one you show up for. So you should do whatever will get you there to show up, but just a little bit about mantras. So the, the idea of meditation is just, they say it's the progressive quietening of the fluctuations of the mind. But what we're really saying there is it's about bringing your mind to a single point of focus. And whether that focus is your breath or staring at a candle 
or repeating something in your mind, whatever it is, you're just trying to gently bring your focus and practice coming to a single point of focus. So if you Mm. repeat slow down and your mind wanders, the goal of meditation is to notice and to bring yourself back to that single point of focus. So whether you say slow down or Om Namah or, you know, Sat Chidananda, like something in Sanskrit or something in English, it doesn't really matter. The only point that really matters is that sometimes when we repeat something like Sat Chit Ananda is like truth, consciousness, bliss, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, but because we're saying it in Sanskrit and our brain doesn't really, most of us, we don't speak Sanskrit, our mind doesn't really attach to it and want to write stories around it because Sat Chit Ananda, you could sort of keep repeating that and you don't really know what it means to your mind. That intellectual part of your mind sort of lets go a little bit of the busyness and just gets into the rhythm of repeating the sound. Mm. If you, if your mantra is, um, I am beautiful, let's say, see, here's kind of how my meditation would go. If my mantra was, I am beautiful. I close my eyes. I take some long, slow, deep breaths. I'm settling in. I begin to repeat my mantra. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. My intellectual part of my brain goes, Amanda, you seriously think you're beautiful? Have you looked at your hair today? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. It's like the intellectual part of your mind wants to attach to the words and write a story around the words. And so Mm -hmm. it's okay to use any kind of mantra, but the more boring, if you will, the mantra is to our mind, the more we can just kind of get into the flow of repeating it without attaching to it and letting it be a distraction for us. Mm. Does that make sense? Total sense. Yes. Love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that that process with us. Because I think the process of meditation is, like you said, it's it's some people are just afraid to to do it wrong. And and I know for myself, and we talked about this, and I found it so fascinating that your trainers were Chopra and David G. Because my first meditation experience was actually the Oprah and Deepak meditations when they were offering those free mm. thirty day. And so that's what started me. This is about in 2000, late 2014, early 2015 is when I really started meditation practice. Uh, and then I found David G. And he had a 30-day meditation practice where he did use a lot of Sanskrit mantras. And those were kind of foreign to me. But they do work because you ha- I was almost more concentrating on being able to say the mantras correctly. And exactly. That, that's where that's where I kept my focus, and because I was so con- so for me, and maybe for some of our listeners, I think a lot of times when you're ready to get started, it is with guided meditations, and there's a plethora of them. I know. I just mm-hmm. wanted to give a shout out. Amanda's website is amandameditates.com, and she offers a de-stress meditation for free on her website that is amazing and I think it's one of those and the other part of that is that I would urge people when they're getting started in their meditation practice to use earbuds if they're going to do a guided because then there's no outside you have you're kind of in your own dark world eyes closed music in your ears and you're able to sort of get into that zen space a little easier so I would offer that as a first Step, you know, going guided for a little while. And, and then I know there's a process with David G where he goes silent and there's no music, there's no mantra. 
And I got lost in, in that part. Like I had gotten to the point mm. where I was in his meditation and then all of a sudden it was silent and it took me about two minutes and I was like, was I just silent for two minutes? You know, like it really mm. put me completely out of everything to be silent after the guided. So again, David G is just, he's just an amazing shout out. I told you yesterday he saved my life and, and I would, one day we'll hope that I can give him a hug and let him know that. But I also wanted to just touch on, I've been reading uh, The Universe Has Your Back. I'm in a book club with some ladies online, and we decided Gabrielle's book would be our first book. She said, so ham, so ham. And so ham, so, so ham. ham was her mom. Yeah, so S-O-H-A-M. She, her mom hilarious. taught it to her when she was younger. And when she was going through a deep depression, anxiety, her mom said, sit down, close your eyes, and just start saying, so ham, so ham. Now, I haven't gotten into the book what that means yet. But then fast forward 10 years, and she was in the middle of a panic attack and remembered that so ham, so ham, and brought herself out of that panic attack and then had to look at her life and then wrote this second book, you know, The Universe Has Your Back. So it's a great story. But that, when you were talking about that, I was like, it doesn't matter what you say. It's what matters what brings you into the moment. That's exactly it. And I think we, we like to use the um, challenge of finding the right mantra or the right way to sit or the right place to sit or the right time to do it as a distraction for showing up for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And so I love that. if I love we, that. if we just yep. don't allow ourselves to have that distraction and, you know, like I often would say um, when I was doing my teacher training, you know, I know it's working because people are saying that I'm, I'm being kinder. I feel like I'm not getting so worked up. I feel like I'm watching, I'm observing my behavior more than being, being the behavior so I'm still getting a little bit reactive, but I'm noticing that I'm doing it. And I'm kind of saying, okay, here I am. Okay, I'm, I'm going to acknowledge I'm getting reactive here. Whereas before I was just, <laughs> I was the reaction. I was the bad behavior. And so what's going on there is the mind, so we talked about 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. The mind is just a thinking machine. And so it's in the habit of being busy. And when we do the meditation practice, we're focusing on one thing. So we spend our life, for the most part, um, focusing on things that have already happened and rethinking them, even though we can't change them anymore, or mm-hmm. worrying about things that are going to happen that we really don't mm-hmm. know how they're going to happen. And we don't spend much time in that sweet spot in the middle. And so when we get stuck rethinking things from the past, we're usually criticizing ourselves for what we've done wrong. And when we're worrying about the future, we're engaging that sort of anxiousness about what's going to happen if. But that sweet spot in the middle, there's a place where we actually can show up and be okay with what's going on, but we don't know how to stay there because the mind is so busy just jumping backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. So in meditation, we hang out in that middle space and we practice that. And the idea isn't to have really to have a quiet meditation. It's to practice staying in that middle space. And when you wander to come back to it and to train our brain so that we take that skill of being present out into our day, which then gives you that ability to notice what's happening in your life and to take a deep breath and make some steps to change it. Okay, so just drop so the mic. Really, and drop the stage. 
right there. <laughs> That's yes. perfect. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, being present in, in getting that moment of knowing what that feels like and then taking that into your day and being present. Uh, you know, my granddaughter was talking the other day about how she has a hard time listening to people. And I said, you know, it's a conscious choice. Like you really have to tune in and you have to drop the phone and you have to drop the thoughts and trying to explain to her, she's, you know, in her early 20s. And I I just think you you have, it's conscious. To listen to somebody, you have to be present. So your mind can't be wandering in a hundred different places. So I, I, I also wanted, you know, I, I, I'm like, I want to get all this in. So Amanda also offers on her website uh, a spark joy process, practice peace for seven days. And that really intrigued me because when I uh, was in my, what I call my trauma years, and when I was writing the book and I was trying to find joy, even some semblance of feeling joy because I cried every day, uh, then I did an exercise that was for 30 days, a joy exercise. And nobody that I told about that exercise, everybody looked at me and said, Kathy, who the hell has two hours a day for 30 days? Are you kidding me? I was lucky I had that. And that was what got me back to joy. But maybe you could speak a little bit to us about how to get that joy sparked in seven days, because I know people would be resonating. And before you answer, I just want to shout out to our listeners today that if you would like to call in and ask Amanda a question, our guest call-in number is 646 787-1842. Okay, Amanda, and so if you could talk to us about the spark joy, because I just love, love, love that. (laughs) Sure. So I kind of look at the emotions that we experience during our day as fitting into, um, well, let's say two buckets. So when we've engaged the stress response in our body in some way, whether it's because there's actually a saber-toothed tiger in front of us or whether, you know, we've had a rift with someone at the office or we're beating ourselves up for not showing up in a certain way, we kind of get access to this bucket of emotions, things like guilt, um, frustration, overwhelm, you know, that sort of those, those stress response emotions. And then when we engage our relaxation response, which is the opposite of the stress response, it has its own bucket of emotions and it's things like, peace, joy, love, understanding, compassion. And I think people think that we all can have a choice in what emotions we um, feed, if you will. Um, And we we do to a certain extent. But if you've engaged the stress response in your body or the fight-flight response, you physiologically don't get access to things like joy and peace and compassion. Because your Mm -hmm. body knows that if it gave you access to that, that the saber-toothed tiger would get you. And when you engage the fight-flight response, it's a primal response from that, that sympathetic nervous system saying, we need to stay alive. And compassion's not something you need to stay alive. Anger, frustration, um, being hyper-aware, those are things that will keep you alive. And so what I'm trying to do with a peace practice for people is, to get them to a space where each day they spend a little bit of time in a healing emotion, which is mm-hmm. peace, joy, love, compassion. And by spending a few, a few minutes even, like the peace practice on my website really only asks you to spend a few minutes each day, but 
to um, set an intention that you're going to spend a bit of time in one of those healing emotions. And the more you do it, the more your brain kind of gets in that space of connecting to that. So if I said to you, today we're going to practice joy by um, thanking people for things. Someone opens a door, make sure you say thank you. Receive what the, receive the gift they're giving you. If, um, uh, if you can open a door for somebody, don't just fling it open. Open it and say to somebody, have a nice day. Like have an actual exchange of positive emotions with people. You get um, a release of dopamine. You feel yep. good and your, your day is naturally better. So I'm actually, actually asking people to kind of um, engineer, if you will, engineer some joy in their day. Because most of us are stuck in that stress response where we don't get access to those emotions and we just we need to kind of practice it. And then once we practice it, our, our uh, physiology will change. And Absolutely. then after seven days, I feel like we kind of naturally start to do a little bit more of it. And that, that's really the goal of that. And, and uh, I'm sure was the goal of the 30-day joy oh, practice. Yeah. Kathy, that you were talking well, about. Think, like, did you? I think that what happened is that people. I think we, uh, when we go through things like stressful traumas or big life changes or, um, you know, tragic losses of people, things that take us so far away into grief or or madness. Really, I, I sometimes would call it. Uh, it's so hard to remember the good feelings. And I know for me personally, when I started to feel the joy, uh, singing with my grandson was a silly little thing that I did that really brought me joy. But once I started that doing that, and I, I, I took two hours a day and just concentrated on me and, and, and I literally would do those types of things. And then when I, then I, when I, it got to the point where when I didn't feel joy, it was foreign where I had started the practice where mm. that I wasn't feeling stressed. You know what I mean? Like I was so stressed and so hurt and so felt so betrayed by situations in my life that I couldn't get to joy. Then after the 30 days, it was when I wasn't feeling joy, it was foreign rather than when I wasn't feeling stressed. That's the turning point, And that's what made me a happier person. And that's what got me on this path. So I wanted to touch base on that because Amanda, you are a happiness coach, and that was like the most exciting information to get because, uh, you know, I, I just was tickled with that title. Carrie and I have talked about it also. So let's talk about, about what does a happiness coach do? So it, it, it's, a, it's a funny story. I, I, I say to people that really what I am is a, is a, content, a contentment coach, teaching people to be resilient to stress, and to allow themselves to, you know, to bounce back from just inevitably what happens in our life, to see life and its experiences, not not change your life, but to see the experiences in your life in new and more nourishing ways. And that's what I consider happiness to be, that ability to, to shift my perception when things are happening to something that's more positive. But the thing is, if you call yourself a contentment coach, nobody calls you. Because everybody thinks they, they don't want content. They think they want more. And so happiness really came from, you know, my uh, my sons that are that are older now. They were 9 and 12 on that fateful day when they told me that I wasn't yelling at them anymore. And now they're like 20, 22 and 24. So some time has definitely passed. And um, 
my one son said to me a couple of years ago, you know, a couple things that I really love about this like complete shift you've done in your life. Well, it's taken me a little bit of time to get here. He said, one is this meditation stuff you do. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you sort of, you know, keep that under wraps because some people think it's kind of weird. Although, you know, I don't think people do anymore. I think there was a period where they did, but he said, you know, when you weren't happy, I felt guilty being happy around you. And now that Mm -hmm. you own your happiness, I feel like I can just be how happy I am around you. I don't have to closet it when I'm around you because I feel guilty. And Mm -hmm. I just had never realized to that point that, you know, we show up and we deplete ourselves doing for everybody else. And we wear a Wonder Woman cape or a Superman cape and we we think that as long as we're doing for everybody else that they should just show up and be happy about it. People really want you to invest in your happiness way more than getting their laundry done or cooking their dinners. Whether they realize it or not, if you show up happy, you create a space and a ripple where everybody can thrive. I and agree with that. That's where it, that's where happiness came from. I thought he you know, he said yeah. when you're happy, I can be happy and I'm like this is what I do. This I want to coach people to be happy. And uh, so some mm. people, you know, will laugh and say, oh, it just sounds so rainbows and unicorn. unicorns. <laughs> call, call it what you want. But I can tell you people have shown up and said you are a way happier person. You're a, a better person. You're making an impact in the world. So I'm, I'm totally okay with people who think it's rainbows and unicorns because the work is way harder than that. It is. You're right. Right. And, you know, I love like, be, the, the, the word that it comes to mind when you talk about that is, is like deliberate and conscious. You know, it's like yes. you, you, we really need to be deliberate. Like it's like it's making a choice, you know, it's like making a deliberate choice, like a very conscious choice to change the way that we are and but not in a bad you know it's like I'm done with this like I want to be happy and I want to be content I mean I can completely see how the word content you know is is a perfect word because it for me I mean at least for me it's like I I know what I think of when I think of being content you know it's just like I feel like I can breathe and I just feel like there's an ease about my life and there's a freedom there and it's just, you know, like, ah, like this big, ah, kind of thing. So I, yeah, and I there's, love there's that. There's a resilience, right? I feel like there's a resiliency in content that whether life outside of you is good or bad, that you, you can, like you said, you can get a breath and you can go with it, which means some days you can be super happy and some days you can be sad because you know you have the resiliency to move through the sad and come back Mm -hmm. and not get stuck in it and I think that's where you know certainly my pain and I'm sure you guys have experienced that pain of getting stuck in the sadness or the grief or the negativity or whatever it's you you want that resiliency to be able to move through it feel it learn from it but not to get stuck in it Right. Yeah. Like, because you, you know, I mean, my, I just, what popped up for me was my daughter, you know, like she had a horrible broken heart and she just, she literally just sat in it, you know, and it it was almost like she didn't even give herself permission to feel good about anything. 
based on this one particular experience in her life. And it was challenging to, to allow her to see that her whole life didn't have to be, you know, yucky because of this one experience. And I think that mm-hmm. that is also, you know, becoming really just like making the choice. It's like, no, I'm not going to let this define me, you know, and I want more for myself and just allowing, just allowing it to, to be where it is at the time. Like you can be sad for five minutes, you know, or and two hours and then, but come back to finding the joy in, in something and giving that gift of joy to yourself. And I also think, you know, as, as we get older, and we have experiences in life, we also can see that we can allow ourselves to be happy and be joyful, even though there's something that's going on that might create sadness for us or something. Yes. So I yeah. love that. I love that. So I know that you um, have a podcast as well, and a little birdie told me that it is in the top 75 in the country. In the like, what is that? Like, how amazing yes. is that, babe? Like, oh my god! Tell in us fairness, more about that. So, in fairness, the podcast structure on iTunes it moves in and out depending on your episodes and that kind of stuff. But it has mm-hmm. more than once been in the top 100 and did break into the top 75. It was 74, Woo-hoo! I think it was, a month Yay! or so ago. So I just, you know, I just keep showing up and talking about things that really are near and dear to my heart. And and uh, and, and I just love for people to connect to it and, uh, and, and learn through it, grow through it, whatever. Not unlike what you guys are doing here with this amazing space mm-hmm. that you hold every week for us. Oh, thanks, honey. Well, I we really, uh, you know, we love that. <laughs> I just wanted to touch on the podcast for a minute because, again, the title of your podcast is what attracted me was called, you know, calling it The Full Life. And, and what I love about, uh, I wanted to just tell our listeners what I love about Amanda's podcast is that a lot of times, and even shows like this, we, we have, an, you know, we don't have an hour unless we're in the car, literally, listening, most of or sitting in a pool or some type of relaxation. So your podcast can range from 11 minutes to maybe 45 minutes. And what I love about that is that I can actually listen to two or three of them at a time in that in that way so that... I'm not only getting the one subject, but I'm getting the full feel. And, and those, that's just been really helpful for me. I like a podcast that's, you know, short and sweet to the point and makes me think later, and your podcasts certainly do. But I also wanted to ask you, what does a full life look like to Amanda Weber? Oh, that's a good one, putting me on the spot here. Um, you know, for me, this is my job. I am I am the kind of person, and the reason the full life came about was it's about calling um, full the new busy, because I don't want to not have a lot on my plate. I love to have, you know, do stuff with my kids and do stuff with their daddy, and just like I I love to have a really a lot on the go. But I really don't want to be busy because I associate busy with overwhelm and never enough time and those things. And so for me, um, a full life is always doing that check-in with myself to make sure I'm looking at life and its experiences in ways that are nourishing to me. And if they're not, 
then honoring myself enough to take the time and figure out how I might reframe it or, or, or work around it. So it's that balance of feeling like I can care for me and everybody else. It's not, and this is a Nancy Levin thing that I just love. It's not an and, or it's a both. Take care of me and take care of the people I love. It's not an and, or it's a both. That's what full life is. Yeah, the full life. Uh, yeah, the full life to me is like you said, embracing all areas of our lives and finding that balance, and keeping true to ourselves. So I want to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, time goes so fast. We have seven minutes left, and in line with uh, the Best Life Cafe's protocol, we are going to pull some cards for you guys today, and we're also Yay. going to give out our Wayne Dyer Wednesday quote. So I'm going to go ahead and start with a Wayne Dyer Wednesday quote. Amanda is going to pull the first card today for us. So my quote is, happiness is not something that you get in life. Happiness is something that you bring to life. Dr. Mm. Wayne, do I? <laughs> That's so good. Okay, so I picked a, I picked a card from uh, Doreen Virtue's um, angel deck, and uh and it, it's so great. I just picked it. It's called Perfect Timing. Now is the perfect moment for you to act on your inspirations. The doors are open while you walk through them uh, with us by your side. Don't delay or procrastinate. All the ingredients are ripe for success. Everything and everyone is on your side supporting your positive outcome. So perfect for the Best Life Cafe. Yay! <laughs> okay, Carrie, where are you? That. What are you doing today? Uh, so I'm working with the Archangel Michael deck today, and the card that I pulled is, again, you know, you can't make this stuff up, um, this is your life's purpose, and it says, Archangel Michael, you know the details of my divine life purpose, and I ask you to help me be aligned with my goals. Please clearly guide my actions so that I am taking the best steps to fully manifest my wonderful and meaningful career. And I just, you know, for all those people that are out there wondering what they should do, I know that um, uh, we're, we're having a, a, a new moon coming up, and it is an amazing time for manifesting. And one of our next guests um, on the show in a couple weeks, Carrie Styers. She talked to me a little bit about this, and I feel like this is such a perfect time for all of this because it's getting ready, you know, we're getting ready to go into a a new cycle, and choosing career and work is a really important part of it. So for all of you out there, just pray and give it up to God, and and he knows what what you want to do and trust. Yeah, connecting with source, obviously the most important thing right now for this. So I picked a card from my Universal Angelically Inspired Cards by Juliet Jaffrey Hubs and Nora Monaco. This is the very first deck that I ever got, and it's my go-to a lot. So I picked Inspiration, which is just right in line with both of your guys' cards. And it says, <laughs> this is a manifest card. Allow your mind to be open and inspired by spirit. It's great time to breathe life into your dreams. Look around you. Are you living the life you want? Be inspired to make positive, creative changes and ask for new direction and be open to new ideas. Divine assistance is clearly trying to guide you in new directions, so follow your inner promptings. The universal energies are there for the taking. Ask for help from other dimensions. 
Sometimes this card is validating that you may be given the opportunity to inspire another person. Always remember to allow the other the freedom of choice in all situations. And it says to breathe into or upon. And inspiration is always how everything starts. Uh, I, I want to have a moment here now for Amanda to let us know where we can find her. And if you would want uh, tell our guest, Amanda, how to find you and on all the social media outlets and your website, I would love for them to be able to check you out. Get on her mailing list. You will not be disappointed having this. And I just wanted to give you a shout-out because you're not one of those people that bombards my emails with, with mm. uh, stuff. And I love that about you because I, if, when someone bombards me, I let it go. When I see yours, I'm like, ooh, I have something from Amanda. <laughs> you know, So it's a perfect amount, and I love that. So if you could tell everybody where to find you. Sure, and thank you. So, to, first of all, to, to, to Carrie and Kathy, thank you guys so much for having me on today. I love you guys so much. You're two of the most authentic people that I've connected mm-hmm. with, um, and, and so I really appreciate that. Uh, you can find me at amandameditates.com is my website, and my podcast is there right on the main menu, my blog, um, a place to sign up for my newsletter, um, I'm on Facebook under Amanda Weber Happiness Coach. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Amanda Meditates. And yeah, if you sign up for my newsletter, I've got a couple free ebooks and I, I love to share those kind of tools. But I do just send out a wisdom bite every Thursday and a little heads up to what my podcast is and when my Facebook Live will be. But other than that, that that's it. And uh, I, I love when people just connect and share questions and what's happening in their mm-hmm. lives. Uh, I would be so grateful if, if people felt inspired to do that today. And, you know, all of us, oh. all three of us, ladies, um, are here because we have something to share. We want people to be happy. It's It's part of what we're called to do. And so I appreciate you, Carrie, and you, Amanda, because I know that we are all on the same path when it comes to just kind of being those light people in the world to, to share to share light in, in, in sometimes a dark world. So mm. I thank you both. Thank you. Well, you know, thank law of attraction, you. right? We all bring <laughs> to each other the the gifts and the things that we need. So I'm just I feel blessed to to be in this space right now and to know both of you and, you know, emergency, uh, never mind, Um, the Best Life Cafe, we have decided that our vision is to share other people, like beautiful teachers like you, Amanda, with everybody in the world. So I'm just blessed to be here. I'm blessed to to know you both, and I just want to give a big aloha of love to everybody today and to go out and have just the most blessed, beautiful day ever all right ladies thank you so much if you guys are looking for us on facebook you can find us at the best life cafe on facebook and we would love for you to give us any insights or questions or if you want to be a guest on our show reach out bye everyone have a wonderful day thank you bye bye aloha